Well, it happened again. The occlusion gods jumped up and bit us in the uh, backside. And um, fortunately, we were able to handle it. But, um, you know, it just keeps happening. And uh, thank you guys for joining me because, I don't know, it's all about lips tonight. And um, why we keep talking about it? Well, first of all, it's Valentine's. Or at least it was uh, on Monday. So, hello, Sid Lambert. Um, so I thought it was an appropriate topic to talk about because, you know, every Valentine's Day has something about lips and and it seems appropriate because every week something happens about lips and everyone talks about it. But I, I think that people still aren't particularly understanding a couple of things about lips and we'll, we'll talk about that because, hey, Seaport, we have to talk. We just sent someone to you that's looking for a job and um, she's sending her cover letter, putting her cover letter together right now and um, she's a really good girl and uh, I just want you to um, acknowledge that and maybe give her an interview and hire her perhaps but we'll talk <laughs> about that later. Hello Tracy, one of our, I think Tracy's got two more, show, you show up two more weeks and you're officially part of the posse so you've got, we're checking off all the people who keep, we keep track, keep track, we keep track, <laughs> we make a list and we check it twice and we find out who's <laughs> naughty and not so nice. Um, hey, if you guys aren't from Boston or from somewhere farther away, let us know. We're always interested in seeing where you're watching from. Um, so welcome. Yeah, lips are all about the thing, right? And I think there's a huge obsession with lips and we see more and more complications with lips. Not just occlusions and bruising, but I think that for a long time we've just been seeing lips being overdone. I think a misunderstanding as to what is appropriate and what... Good evening. Good evening. So formal. Um, you know, what what a really normal lip looks like. And I think in general, when I talk about fillers, I think that if you look at somebody, anybody, and look at them and go, oh, you know, they had some nice filler there. And, oh, I see that filler. Uh, I mean, if you look at someone and the first thing you think about is how many fillers they have in their face or where they had it done. I think, hey, Gabalicious, love the name. Love the name. Um... I think or by definition, they're, they're, they're overdone, right? And if you have any questions, Maddie's taking notes here and she can address it because I'm trying to concentrate on these brilliant thoughts that I have. So um, um, she's taking questions down. I will try to address them all uh, as, as quickly as I can without destroying my train of thought because I'm getting old and I get forgetful. Uh, I'm going to take another piece of paper just in case I need to get something down myself. Um, so let's talk a little bit about lips. Valentine's Day. Lots of complications and problems, lots of occlusions, but also just getting the size and shape and proportion wrong, right? Interestingly, in my opinion, smaller sizes and better shapes of lips are trending now on social media. I think I think we've reached the peak of abnormality. I think we've reached the peak of distortion. <laughs> I think we're trending slowly, albeit slowly, Back to a more normal normal. Um, it, was a, it was a meme that, I don't know if you guys saw, you know, this woman is shown, she's just like sobbing and sobbing, you know, and it's like, um, this woman's been waiting like three months for her, you know, lip appointment and her provider told her that she's not ready yet and she's just destroyed and upset about it. But, you know, I think that is point, a point in case, or case in point, I guess is a better way, case in point of, um, 
you know, people are getting onto this. Like we, we, you know, you just don't keep making lists bigger and bigger and bigger just because people want them to. You don't keep coming in. London, England. Oh, Carmel, that was a quick overnight flight you took to London. No, awesome. Else. Oh, is that a different? Is that a different Carmel? Are you really? Fr- oh, fresh your faces. Oh, here she was commenting yeah. that fresh your faces was watching us from London. So it must be like uh, eleven or twelve o'clock there. So thanks for staying up and watching. We we appreciate that. So you know. I think the trends are generally coming back to normal. And that meme kind of made me think about the fact that, I mean, I've been talking about it for a long time, and I think a lot of others have been talking about it, um, that we've been overdoing lips. Our obsession, uh, and I don't know if it's a British obsession as well, Carmel, but uh, uh, certainly an American obsession with, with lips and making them as big as possible. And it's refreshing to me to see that people are starting to put lips into perspective. Because remember... The lips are part of the face, not vice versa. And many people start with the lips and start, you know, making them crazy. And then nothing in the face is going to match. Because, you know, when you see a page of Instagram or Facebook or whatever with a hundred people and all you see is this, you know, with blown up lips, and you have no nothing else about the face, I can't tell anything about that injector's ability. I can't tell whether that's an appropriate lip for that patient, usually not, or whether like it makes no sense at all and it's just grotesque and horrible. So what that's telling me, I mean, like, like if that, what that page is telling the world, I believe is, hey, look, I'm a technician. I can take your lip and blow it up to any size, regardless of whether you need it or not, want it or not, or it looks appropriate or not, I can blow the hell out of your lip. So, I mean, you know, I just delete those. I unfollow those people because they're not teaching me anything. They're not showing me anything, except that they don't know what the hell they're talking about or doing. And it's really kind of, insulting i think personally um to be watching that and looking at that because it's just basically saying i have a hammer and the whole world looks like a nail and i'm just going to keep nailing these lips until you know they pop um i'm happy for any comments or any questions you guys want to throw at me so let's talk about what makes it normal right what are the tips of creating normal looking lips like what should you think about how should you think about it? well first of all when i'm doing a patient's lips you know it's usually because i've done everything else first i mean less the girls like 22 23 25 years old and they have everything else is perfect and they don't need anything but you'd be surprised some of them actually do um we're having a different discussion so usually for me the lips are the icing on the cake it's not the cake itself it's just like a little sexy add-on right um Lips add sexiness to the face, but you don't start there. So once you get everything else in proportion, I tell the patients, you know, once I start fixing your cheeks and your nasolabial folds and your chin or whatever they need, your lips are going to shrink. They're going to become smaller relative to the rest of your face. So we will and should plan on doing that, you know, when we get to that point. And I like to do it sort of incrementally and gradually because I don't want people to get morphed and look weird. Um, hello, a lot of waving going on here. Mm-hmm. Thank you for waving back. Um, so first of all, let's get the rest of the face in proportion. Remember, and I put this up many times, like what the right proportions are for the upper face, the mid face, the lower face, and then within the lower face, the amount of lip to chin, the amount of upper lip to lower lip, and it's all like 1.618. You know, it's kind of these magic numbers that the golden ratios that we've talked about. I don't want to review that here because that's been done before, and you can look at some of my older um, videos and IG Live to look at it. But, oh, by the way, if you want to train with us or, te- you know, learn from us or go to our school, go to the link in our bio. And uh, if you don't have that, just Aesthetic Mentor. 
we come right up. Usually we're one on Google and uh, we have schools in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and we train people to do all this stuff the right way um, with integrity, desire, excellence, safety and compliance, which are the two most important things. And if you don't have either of those, get out of the room. You shouldn't be here. Um, so let's look at the anatomy of the lip itself, right? Let's make sure we understand what a normal lip looks like with three pillows in the upper, two in the lower lip, a little sort of area of indentation in the middle, uh, upper lip and lower lip, usually in a 40 to 60 ratio in Caucasians and other ethnic groups, it can vary from 50 to 50 to maybe even the, the upper being a little bit bigger in some, but most of the time the lower lip is always bigger than the upper lip. Most of the volume of the lip is centered in the middle two thirds of the lip. You know, most you know, really young and beautiful women have nothing out here. It kind of really comes down quickly. So it's really centered in the middle two thirds. That's what, where most of your product should be because you probably have also seen these people who have lips that look like this. They look like the Joker, right? They, people fill their entire lip. As you get older, your lips get longer this way and sort of narrower this way. This distance gets greater. So you have these long, flat lips. And if you fill the whole lip, you look like the Joker. And it's an obvious <clears throat> miscalculation. And it's obviously the lips have been done. And it looks horrible. I mean, you can have a beautiful face. Hey, Kate, posse girl. Good to see you. How you looking? She's getting ready for her wedding. She had a big, uh, I guess, are they called bachelorette party? I don't know what they're <laughs> called anymore. But, you know, all the girls get together and celebrate Kate getting married. She's going to be a beautiful bride. Love my method of teaching. Well, thank you. It's just called being honest, unfortunately. And after my 31 years in practice, it's just like I've seen everything that can go right. But more importantly, everything that can go wrong. And I'm just sharing that with you. Are you dissolving a lot of lips? There are so many overfill with migration cannulas, fencing. What are your favorite techniques? Yeah, I'll get to that. Yeah, I see a lot of people with lips that are too big and, and dissolving them is, is obviously an, in a, an option, but it's it's like opening up a hornet's nest, you know, because they come in for to be helped. You blow up, you blow up their lips, it's too big. You try to milk it for a while. And then they're like, no, I definitely want these out. Then, you know, you have to, use a lot of, you know, wide you know, vitrates, whatever you're using. Um, hopefully you aren't charging the patient for that. Some people do. Oh my God, so fun. Thank you. Oh, you are beautiful. Um, and then, you, you know, not only are you, are you dissolving the HA that you injected, you're also dissolving the patient's native HA, right? Because, you know, HA is everywhere, every cell of your body. So it just kind of goes throughout the lips. You actually lose, but you actually look way worse after being dissolved than you did before you ever got touched. So it just creates a terrible situation. Then you're going to inject them again. I mean, how many times are you going to charge them? How much are you going to charge them? Are you just going to try to dissolve a little? I mean, it's it's really, hello, Brittany. Good to see you. Yes, you're not teaching tonight for once. Your nasal labia falls look amazing. Kate, anything I can do to help you? I mean, you're already so beautiful. Anything I do is just like adding, like, it's like, I don't know, what's called gilding the lily. Like you can only, you know, you can just make it look so good. Um, temples. Oh yeah, yeah. The temples were her main. I mean, I'm so glad we did her temples because you had like some of the most hollow temples for someone your age. I'm so glad we were able to do that. And make sure you send us pictures of the wedding. I can't wait to see you. So let's look at the anatomy as I was mentioning. Upper, lower, middle, two thirds is where all the products located. But probably the most important thing with the liver is understanding the anatomy there. Why it's different than pretty much any other part of the body and why it has to be treated and injected differently, right? The lip is really a muscle. 
If you look at a cadaver, it's literally a muscle, the abicularis oris muscle, covered by a thin layer of mucosa. That's a lip with blood vessels coursing through it, right? So the only safe place to be is in the submucosal space, right? So if you could feel your lip and to pull your lip away from it, you really can't pull it away from the muscle because it's kind of attached. But there is a space, a potential space between the mucosa and the muscle, that submucosal space. It's very thin. And if you get into that space with some product and start injecting the product, the space starts to expand because you're separating the mucosa from the muscle. And the muscle is where all the vessels are. The muscles where the pain receptors are. The muscles where all the trouble is. So the farther away you can get that from you, the better, right? So the first couple of injections are your most important. So when you put your needle in, I go in at almost a zero angle. Like this is the lip and I'm up here. I don't go in and try to make a right angle turn. I go in almost at a zero angle. So I know I'm superficial. I pull up on the on the needle and I can see the outline, like almost a silvery outline of the needle because the mucosa is so thin. And the older you get, the thinner it gets. So it looks like you're almost like coming through the skin and you kind of are. But that submucosal space is your friend. That is the best place to be. And as you inject it, it gets safer and safer and safer because you're expanding that potential space. And it gets easier and easier and safer and safer. So when you're doing your injections, they should always be done retrograde. They should be done slowly, carefully, and with small amounts, right? And the most common error I see in patients that have been treated elsewhere, patients, uh, uh, injectors are going too deep and they're doing it integrated. They're just injecting and they're coming out and going in and coming out and going in and coming out. Um, once you're in that submucosal space, why would you ever want to leave it? I mean, it's 20 degrees out here. And once I'm inside, why the hell do I ever want to go outside and keep going in and out in it? I want to stay in a nice, warm, safe, comfortable environment. And that's what the submucosal space is. Good night. I hope you're not leaving. Are you saying good night? Hello. Good night. Hello. I think you're saying pleasant night. Pleasant evening to you too. So when you're in the submucosal space, the idea is you want to inject the lip, puncture the mucosa as infrequently as possible. So if you can get into that space and start expanding it with some product, and just kind of do your fanning techniques, small amounts, retrograde injections. It's really, really, really quite safe. It's also less painful for the patient because think about this. What causes pain in a lip injection? Every time you puncture the mucosa, it hurts. But once you're underneath the mucosa, just like anywhere else in the face, once you're underneath, there are very few pain receptors. And if you're in the right plane, you can move along very nicely. And the patient hardly feels it. You usually get no bleeding. You usually get no bruising. You usually get minimal pain. But the minute you go deep into the muscle, you're just like jabbing a needle into a muscle and you're asking for trouble. And remember, superior and inferior labial arteries are, you know, two millimeters, three millimeters below the surface of the mucosa, so they're very close. And as you get older, and as you get thinner and your tissues thin out, the vessel gets closer and closer and closer to the surface. So your old, thin patient is the most dangerous, difficult patient, because the artery is sometimes right under the skin. And in our cadaver courses, you know, we cut the lip open so you can see it, and everyone sort of gasps. You know, because it's so close to the surface of where we're injecting, and people are just like, "I, I, I can't, I can't believe it." I'm, I'm so shocked that they become afraid to inject the lip, which is actually healthy. Should we aspirate each time? I never aspirate the lip. I tell you why, because it's such a delicate structure. 
And I've seen people like suck, you know, pulling negative pressure on the syringe like this. And what it's like a hickey of the lip. Like you're basically breaking all those tiny little blood vessels and you can actually create an, you know, a false aspirin. I've seen it happen. So listen, if you've ever started an IV or anything and you put the IV, do you ever have to pull back uh, on anything to create? It's, 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 you know, you've got 120 millimeters or whatever of pressure coming at you. You don't need to be aspirating, right? If, you know, if there's, if, to find if there's a, uh, uh, if you were in an artery, but also those vessels are so, so, so small. So, you know, if you have to aspirate, go just do a little quick aspirate. But if you're doing a retrograde injection, it's almost unimportant, right? So get into that space, start pulling back and then, uh, then start injecting. And it's almost impossible to get into an artery when you're going backwards, right? So um, I do aspirate when I go deep to the dermis and many other areas, but never in the lip. And I, I kind of advise against it because I just think you're creating trauma that, doesn't need people say, well, you know, you have to suck on it for eight seconds. I'm like, well, if you're in a vessel, you, you don't have to suck on it at all. And if you are, it comes out immediately. Like, what's the delay for? So I'm glad you asked that. But hey, Greta Hall, good to see you. Uh, it must be Tatiana. Tatiana, hello, good evening. One of our members in Connecticut, loved seeing you guys. So retrograde injections, superficial, just in the submucosal space. Small amounts, no boluses, little aliquots, upper lip bigger than lower lip. Okay. And remember, the lip is part of the face, not vice versa. So let's get the rest of the face in proportion and then start addressing the lips. Now remember, when you're doing, we're going to talk about product selection, safety techniques, lip flip, other things. But when you're injecting patients, it's really what they want, not what you want for them. Right? So, you know, I remember when we first started doing injections in the lips, you know, 25, 30 years ago, and we had a we had collagen and we had fat injections, and all of a sudden one day this product called Radius came out. We started, I'm not even joking about this, we started injecting Radius, which you would never do now, into everyone's lips, and we got multiple nodules and bumps, and it was a whole other thing, and then people, then Restylane came out. And the point of the story is that we couldn't make lips big enough. We were blowing all we could treat were nasal labial folds and lips. Those are what we did for everybody. We made everybody look like a monkey. Like this. We blew everything up because we didn't know what to do. And we created this whole group of patients that looked terrible. And all of a sudden, everyone came in and said, I don't want my lips done. I know what happens if you get your lips done. Or if they were going to get their lips done. Like, please, please don't make me look like an neighbor. Please don't make me look like a duck or whatever it was. And there was this whole pushback against lip injections because we, we spent a lot of time making them too big. I think we've hit that point again. I think we've hit that apex. Good to see you. Thank you, Greta. Hello. Hello, Victor. So we, I think we've peaked on in terms of overdoing it. And I think people are pushing back. And I think injectors are wising, you know, getting wiser. And like, if you put something up on social media and it just looks ridiculous, you can't really take that back, right? And 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 other patients are going to go. I'm never going to go to whoever that person is, because I don't ever want lips that look like that. And it was a period of time when my nurses were treating each other. My patients would come in and say to me, "Doctor Russo, you know, I, I don't want to look like your nurse. Like, please." And I was like, "Well, I didn't do it. That's not my aesthetic." Like the nurses were treating each other, and we had to have a whole talk with the nurses. Like, okay, stop, stop, stop. What are you guys doing? You you know, so patients.
are sensitive to that. They don't want to look garish. They don't want to look like someone else. They don't want to look like they're part of a lip contest where they're like the biggest lip on Instagram. They just want to look like themselves. They want to look natural. They don't want you to look at them and go, oh, I know she had filler. Look at that. That's the opposite of what patients want. So they just want, you know, for most patients, again, unless you're 21 or 22 or 25, whatever, most patients just want to look better like themselves, right? And if they've never had big lips and all of a sudden they walk out of your office with big lips, they'll think they're three to four times what you've, what you've done for them and they'll really hate you. And, and I mean, I've been down this road. I can tell you personally and factually that this, this happened. So the first time you've treated patients, hello, Wendy Diamond, one of our regulars, awesome. you're becoming, you've got three more visits and you're gonna become a posse member. Maddie's keeping track of you. So you're, you're good, you're good. Um, so patients would come in and they'd have small lips and we'd use, we'll talk about products in a second. Um, certain products that were pretty hydrophilic, we'd blow up the lip and the patients would be, two or three days later, they'd be out of their minds and I'd have to dissolve it. And I lost, and I lost those patients because I wasn't smart enough to understand what was going on. Um, so the first time you treat them, yeah, three more times, <laughs> she's like, whoa. Uh, so when you treat those patients for the first time, be gentle, be kind, be conservative. You can always put in more. And remember, every HA product that you use, that's pretty much all I would use in a lip. Every HA product you use is hydrophilic to some extent, some way more than others, but they all are. Anita Wolf, the queen, the lip queen joined. Anita, I've been hearing lots of things about you and thank you for joining. We just were discussing the garish nature of what a lot of people are doing to lips. Hello, Charles and Maverick, and how I think we've peaked out at the maximum amount of grotesqueness, and we're kind of coming back to a more normal appearance of the lip, which we did 30 years ago, and I'm kind of retelling history, because if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat the failures of the past, right? You gotta understand what's happened already. So, we went through that whole thing, and people were pushing back against the lips, and now I think we're understanding that once you start with someone as, as a first-time patient, you're better to under-treat them. And even if you think you're, you've barely done anything, you give them the mirror and they're like, oh my God, I can't leave the office like this. And then two weeks later, they're back for more. It takes a little bit of time for your brain to adjust what just happened. Because again, you're used to seeing proportions, right? And all of a sudden, if your lip, which was like a, a lip like mine, which doesn't really exist, and all of a sudden you come out and you look like, you know, your lips like this, you just can't deal with that. It, it just... You, you know, I've, you know with lip, uh, breast augmentations, rhinoplasties, buttocks, you know, anything, anytime you change something in somebody, brow lift, it's it's magnified on the part on the perspective of the patient because it's like, I've seen myself this way for 40 years, all of a sudden, my lips, my brows, my eyes, my breasts, whatever it is, are different, and they just look so big. And then they adjust to it, and they're like, oh, not only is it not too big, I want some more, bring it on, okay. But be careful the first time, you don't wanna lose those patients, and you just say to them, look, you know, we're gonna just do a conservative treatment the first time. It's gonna take on some water, come back in a few weeks, and if you want more, we can do more, but let's just be, be careful. And when someone comes to you and they've already got big lips like that that meme that we were talking about, um, just say, you know what, I, I just really don't. Um, I've seen some crazy lips, however, I've noticed there may be a demographic for it and patients says, do you give them what they want? Yeah. So he, the question is basically, do you give patients what they want? at the risk of losing your um, reputation and having everyone think you're uh, a lip blower upper. Um, I don't. Um, I would say something like, you know what? Your lips are, are, are really full. In fact, you know, they're probably out of proportion to the rest of your face and I think you're gonna start looking 
unnatural. Do you want someone to tell you that you look unnatural? I'm asking you as a group. Like if someone says, you know, that's really going to make you look unnatural and you're coming to someone who's presumably an expert in this. Are you going to say, you know what? I don't care. I want to look as unnatural as possible. There are some of those people out there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, having done breast augmentations for 30 plus years, I can tell you they exist. But you don't have to do it. You know, you have to be, personally, I think you have to be brutally honest and say, you know, in fact, not only do I not think you need any more, I think you're too big. To start with, I, I, I think they're out of proportion to your face. And if you're going to keep those lips, then you better fix your cheeks and your jawline and your, and your chin, you know, to make it even potentially fit that area. Because, you know, if you have these huge lips and the rest of your face is deflated, it, it looks ridiculous. So do what you want. Run your practice the way you want to. But, you know, you're, you're like, like in this, a stockbroker is only as good as his last trade. You know, we're only as good as our last injection. And if we mess up someone's face and all their, and, and, and you know, they think it looks great, but all their friends think it looks horrible. And eventually they start laughing and saying, who did you go to? That looks ridiculous. You think they're going to come back? Um, number one, walking billboard for what you do. Yes, it is. So, you know what? Don't be afraid of losing a patient like that. Honestly, don't be afraid of it. I mean, I saw a guy today, this very day, that wanted a facelift. And, you know, he probably would have paid any price, but I turned him down. I'm gonna, I'm not going to do it because I just didn't like the dynamic. I didn't like the energy. I didn't like the kind of person. I didn't like anything about it. Maddie was in the room with me. She's like, unlikable. Like, what the hell? So I was just like... You know, I'm I'm sorry, uh, but you know, after careful consideration, I, you know, I just don't think you're a good match for our office, and you know, I recommend you get some other, you know, uh, opinions. I, I felt so much better, right? Because I would have struggled with that for a long time. Uh, yeah, personally, I don't love the look and don't want to represent. Yeah, so you know, so just say it's, it's not my aesthetic. I just want, don't feel comfortable doing that. I think it's going to distort you. you. Just be honest. Be honest, because. Even if you put in a little, you own that patient, right? You own it. You know, the last one in is the one who owns it. So, you know, when you're starting to deal with other patients who had complications or problems or you know, asymmetries or whatever they are, you start owning it. If you take it on, you own it. So be sure you're up to it. But I think you have to be true to yourself. And I think, you know, turning patients away, showing you have standards, showing you have a soul, really, because you, know, you want to make people look bad. Are we in it for that? Are we just in it for the money to make people? I don't think so. I don't think any of you are spending Tuesday night listening to this because you want to do things that are bad to people or make them look worse. Um, so let's talk a little bit about products. All products should be HA products. Uh, inject and uh, go in and out of the lip as infrequently as possible. Minimize pain, minimize edema, minimize trauma. Use patients, I'm sorry, use products that are minimally um, hydrophilic. The reason I say that is because the more hydrophilic a product is, the less cross-linked it is, the easier it is for your body to break down and the shorter it lasts. So you get that big with Ultra or Ultra Plus and it's gone in three months. Four months you know. I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that's doing a disservice to patients. I just, I, I think it's ripping people off. I don't like it at all. So there's so many other choices. The Restlin family, which is minimally hydrophilic. The, a lot of uh, Juvederm products, which are minimally hydrophilic. But use a product that's designed for the lip, right? Uh, Volbella, uh, Velour, Wrestling Kiss. Uh, you know, there, there are a bunch of nice products that are specifically, well, not specifically designed, like Volbella is specifically designed for the Kiss, you know, is. Use a product that's meant to be in a lip. Use a product that's soft, that's natural, that doesn't clump up, that doesn't create problems. It's, you know, if you make, get a little lump up, that can spread easily. It doesn't have a high viscosity. It doesn't have a high G prime. Something that, you know, 
is like water because you know your lips are soft and smooth and that's the way it should be. So choose products that are minimally hydrophilic and that last for a while and give patients a good, solid, stable support. Um, and we can talk more about that if you guys want to. In addition, there are other things that you can do to make lips look better, you know, without blowing them up. You could do a lip flip. You could use some neurotoxin to increase the red show in the lip. You could use some neurotoxin to decrease those vertical lip lines, you know, which take away from the beauty of the lip. Um, you can use neurotoxin to treat the DAOs, which pull down the corners of the lip. So as you get older, your lips get smaller, but also the volume of your chin decreases, you're losing bone, you're losing fat, your subcutaneous tissue is going to not to zero, your dermis is thinning out, you're losing elastin, hyaluronic acid, um, and collagen, and you're not producing as much. So you've got a lot of losses going on. So you, it's really helpful to maybe support that chin, make the chin look better. And you'll see right away, the lips will look better. You'll give them some support, particularly the lower lip. And so if you do a perioral treatment with fillers and neurotoxin, if you treat the mentalis, which makes that, you know, which is your baby pout muscle, if this is really deep and it's taking away from the lip, you can put some filler there, you can put some neurotoxin in the mentalis muscles to sort of unwind the lip and make it look, make the chin look longer. So the whole lower third of the face starts to look better. Um, you can do other treatments, diamond glows, exfoliation, CIT with PRP, uh, RF, microneedling RF, all these things are helpful, right? What about the technique where you go in from above and below the lip? I can't, I can't speak strongly enough in a negative way about it. I'm going to get emotional and angry in a minute if I keep talking about it. So what this caller or this um, IG live watcher is talking about is, um, I don't want to poke myself with this, but i Put the, I'll put the lead back in so I don't give myself a lead. She's talking about this. People who do this with the, you know, so we just talked talk number one about, do you do lip flips and lip, yeah, sure. Lip flips and lip filler, no problem. Um, she's talking about people who are doing this with lips. So we said, number one, what hurts the most is going through the skin. So every time you go through the skin, it really hurts. So once you're in that submucosal plane, you stay there. Why would you keep coming out and going back in, coming out, going back in, coming out, going back in? Like, how are you possibly going to get in the same plane? How are you going to possibly avoid hitting a vessel? How are you possibly going to avoid tra traumatizing the area? How, and why would you do that to a patient? Like, like if, 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 if you say, I can stick you three times in your upper lip and move the needle underneath your lip or go through the, the skin 25 times, which would you prefer? I want the procedure that hurts me the absolute most and puts me at highest risk for occlusion because I'm feeling lucky today. Like what? So I, I really, on the Vermilion border, yeah, same thing. Like anytime you're going up, because the artery's going this way and it's very superficial, particularly in those older patients who are very thin, where you've got like maybe a millimeter between the dermis, between the, the, the actual mucosa and the, and the artery, which people see when we cut it open in our class and show them, um, and they never do it again. They go, I will never do that technique again because, you know, we've seen so many occlusions. We've seen so many hematomas. We've seen so many. We, we, we had one two weeks ago where someone was going across the Vermilion border. And all of a sudden, this whole area, she had like a triangular area right here, turned white. And there was a delay in diagnosis. 
there was a delay in treatment. They finally brought the patient in to see me two days or so later. She'd already, they already started the, the high aluronidase and this and that. The woman, the, the girl was on her way to a beauty pageant. She's a model, I'm not, you know, she's on her way to a beauty pageant in California and she's just gonna get a little lip touch up before she went and guess what happened? It didn't because people aren't understanding the anatomy. Remember, these columella vessels run directly up this way, vertically, directly vertically. So she went like this and got right into one. She was trying to do the mica. So listen, you know, people can do anything they want and do any technique they want. But what I'm talking about is trying to do it in the safest possible way create the minimal amount of trauma and edema and inclusions and hematomas in patients and let injectors do it safely. Because remember, when we start getting complications and patients start complaining to the Board of Registration of Nursing, the Board of Registration of Medicine, the DPH, and they start seeing people are losing parts of their lip or going blind, or they shut the whole thing down. They stop nurses from doing this, right? Texas tried it, Rhode Island's in the middle of it. Massachusetts tried it with Dover and Arndt. South Carolina's going through this now. So we have to be teaching people how to do this safely, right? And the safest way to do it is get in the submucosal plane, open that plane up so you're pushing the artery away from you and the veins away from you. You're making that beautiful submucosal space. You use very little product because all you're lifting is the mucosa, which is like a millimeter thick. And once you're in that space, you don't have to keep coming out, going in, coming out, going in, coming out. You stay there because you don't want to go through, uh, uh, you know, an area that's going to create a problem for you. So that's what this is about. It's about keeping the industry safe, raising the level of aesthetic education, because if we don't, nurses are going to, it's going to get pulled from the nurses. It's going to get pulled and they're, they're constantly trying to do it. And the more evidence we give them, the more of these investigators come into people's offices and go like, why that person? We've had blindness in Boston. We've had lip necrosis in Boston. We've had all all kinds of terrible things happen to people. We have people lose half their tongue, right? Because they just don't understand the anatomy. So uh, no, you would never have a lip flip instead of filler. No, it's nowhere close enough. It's just a little adjunct. It's a little five minute, you know, 10, five unit add on that just adds a little bit more red show. It doesn't, it's not, never should be done in place of filler. Where's the best place in our industry to learn about how, um, me, I'm the best person in the country to learn it from. I, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to joke with you. This is my goal. My goal is to become the gold standard in medical aesthetic education. My institute, the Aesthetic Mentor, is dedicated toward that. It's all about safety, compliance, because as you know, most of the injections in this country are being done illegally, right? If a nurse doesn't have an order that's real-time, date-specific, time-specific, dose-specific, route-specific, medication-specific, they're out of compliance and they could lose their license in a second. So, you know, if these nurses get reported to the Board of Registration of Nursing and there's a lawsuit or whatever, they're automatically negligent, right? If you are a nurse and you have, a, you treat a patient you're pra- without an order, you're practicing medicine without a license, you're non-compliant, you lose your license and you're in, that's the end of the story. Then you're not watching this, this anymore and I need you to keep watching it because I need more followers. But anyway, my point is, um, Listen, I'm trying to be the best. I'm trying to give you absolute... Anita agrees with me. High five. Um, I've never met you, but I would like to meet you, Anita. I'm in Connecticut doing a cadaver course sometime soon. If you want to stop by, I'd love to chat with you and uh, connect and maybe we can do something together. Um, The program is the best. So I didn't pay her more than $50 to say that. She's good. Can we practice under 
MAA in other states. Yeah, we're going to have MAA in, in other states. We just opened it in, in Connecticut. And we're going to open it in other states, but that's a slow process. But um, Julie Cabin believes we are the safest for sure because that's all I care about is safety and compliance. I mean, I don't care. Like when we, when people, when my instructors come to my school, like they're some of the best instructors that I know because I've trained a lot of them and some of them I haven't. And some of them are just amazing injectors. But when they come to my school, I say, you know, I, I don't really care how good you are. You, you're probably the most amazing injector on earth. And I'm, I love you for that. But that's not what this class is about. This class is about taking someone perhaps who's never injected before. Maybe she's a school nurse. Maybe she's a psych nurse. Maybe she's an administrative nurse. Maybe she just graduated from nursing school yesterday. So you've got to teach that person my techniques because my techniques are designed to take that person who's never done this before and to make them a compliant, safe, competent injector. Because I know that early on, if you don't get off to a good start and you have a complication, a ptosis, a necrosis, a occlude, whatever, you're probably never gonna do this and perhaps blow a career choice opportunity like Eminem was saying, you know, you got one opportunity, don't blow it. So I don't want anyone to blow when they get started. So the techniques are really designed to take you step by step, hand by, you know, hand in hand to make, uh, make you a competent injector. And the techniques that I'm teaching, believe it or not, I still use today, 30 years later, because I've kind of perfected, because I'm afraid of having an event, you know, an occlusion or anything. And I was like, how do I do this in the safest way possible so I can sleep well at night? Because I've had an occlusion. I've had all the complications we're talking about. And every time something like that happens, love you. Sydney, Australia, wait a minute. What time is it in Sydney, Australia? Is it tomorrow already? Is it tomorrow morning already? It might be. That was me a NICU nurse, and I felt Dr. Russo's team trained me properly, and I left feeling great. Yeah, that's what it's all about. I mean, it's all about doing things in a way that I think keeps the patient safe and you safe as an injector, because I know if you have a bad... Listen, I've had nurses that have been injecting for 10 years. They have a near miss or a complication. The first thing they'd say is, I'm done. I'm quitting. I can't do this. Because listen, you spend your whole life trying to help patients. Right, but here's someone's coming to you, giving you after-tax dollars of their disposable income that they could spend on their kids or their husband or a vacation. They said, "No, I want you to take this money and make my face, lips, whatever better." And you mess it up, and you give them a potentially devastating complication. How do you think you're going to feel? I mean, it's terrible. It's heart wrenching. It makes you all want to quit. You know, and so of course we talk them off the ledge and go through like, "What could you have done differently?" And it's almost always the same thing. It's almost always a breaking technique and it's almost always a lack of understanding of anatomy. When they come to the anatomy class, they're just like, wow, how did I get away with it all these years? All you need is one bad, yeah, I mean, if, if you do it really well 99 times in the 100th time you don't, that's the only thing you remember. That's the only thing your patients remember. That's what gets reported on online. That's root, that ruins your life and your reputation in the patient's life. So anyway, I, I feel we went into a bad place here, but um, you understand my passion about it. I'm just really concerned about everybody and I want to elevate the level of aesthetic education. Um, I feel exhausted after that. I know you got to let a lot of energy out. Um, so I kind of said everything I wanted to say tonight um, and I appreciate all your attention and time. Are there any other questions about lip fillers, anatomy, proportions, anything you want to know, um, I'm happy to, any, did Maddie, did you come up with anything? No, we got Aspiration and technique. We did that. These Going from above, yeah. Okay. That was about well, it. thank you all. I'm um, heading to where? Brazil. We got good ones today. Jesus, this is awesome. Thank you for, for watching. I think they're probably 
a little behind us in time zone. So he's probably a little bit earlier in Brazil. Um, have a good night, Anita. I hope to talk to you soon. So I'm going on vacation tomorrow, and I don't think I'm coming back till um, next Tuesday. Till Tuesday night. So I don't know if I'm going to be back in time. If I'm not, in my remote, Austin joins. Have to, to sign off my last second. He joins. Uh, safety first. Absolutely. You are right, Tatiana. I've got to figure out. You've got like a, so many websites, Tatiana, and you're on so many things. I don't really know if it's you or like you have clones circulating around like Tatiana clones. Um, so if I'm not here, I'll have someone, one of my nurse practitioners or one of the other members of our network take over for me. But if I'm not back, have an awesome week. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit warmer this week in Boston. And thank you for all, <laughs> all your time. Austin's better late than ever. So long, guys. Talk to you soon.